It's good to see you again. Pull up a chair by the hearth. Welcome to Core of Score with your host, Javon Kwaku. Now, today on our show, we are going to go through esports, and esports is a term um, more recently uh, coined, and it refers to electronic sports, or I guess just video game sports. And it's a very controversial topic. Uh, there's a lot of money involved in it, at least these days. It was um, very grassroots early in the in the early aughts, and it has grown to um, kind of a multi-million dollar industry with uh, even uh, the F- the Philadelphia Fusion building a huge arena with Comcast um, over next to Wells Fargo, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot of developments in the world of esports. And I kind of wanted to illustrate that or at least shine a light on um, on esports, the different kinds of esports, uh, the different genres of games that encompasses that really anything can be an esport. If you really if you get enough people with a competitive spirit to uh, to join together and um, and really make something of themselves. And so what you just listened to was pull up a chair and I hope you did but if you're on the road I think you're already sitting on one but just try to get comfy because you are in a humble abode my humble abode and we are going to listen to some really nice stuff so yeah again what you listened to was pull up a chair by Peter McConnell off of Hearthstone 
the original soundtrack. Hearthstone is a game that is a um, it's a card game uh, along the lines of Magic. Magic's probably the one that most people uh, have heard about, or like Yu-Gi-Oh, or even the Pokemon TCG. But Hearthstone is entirely online. There's no physical element to it at all, like tabletop element at all. And uh, because uh, one of the interesting things with Hearthstone is that there is a lot of RNG or like random uh, number generator or just things that are out of your control, really, that are left up to chance. And so in a real world setting, that's really difficult to do. And so one of the strengths of Hearthstone is that a lot of the fun can be derived from just all the interactions that you would never possibly dream of or imagine of. Um, I think the closest thing that can come to like tabletop chance uh, is just tabletop RPGs like um, like Dungeons and Dragons or like Call of Cthulhu or something. Anything that involves dice rolling. But now that we got the intro out of the way, uh, we're gonna go into a couple of our bit bangers. And um, today we have two. We have one from StarCraft too. Uh, this one's gonna be really interesting. Uh, it's Freebird, <laughs> like the actual song Freebird, by Leonard Skinner. But this one's not by Leonard Skinner. This one's by Alan Collins, Ronnie Van Zant, and it's performed by the Blasters. So I thought that this was adequate, even though StarCraft Two released in like 2010, I believe. Um, this song is originally released in 1973, so I mean it's it's of that era. It's it's a bit banger, if you will. And um, the other song I'm gonna play is "Ending Trophy Room" by Michael Vandenboss off of Unreal Tournament, which came out in 1999. Another hallmark in the multiplayer shooter genre. Uh, it kind of kickstarted it all with uh, with Quake Three Arena. So those were kind of, uh, and I'm going to talk about Quake 3 Arena later, but those were kind of the hallmarks um, of the genre, and they kind of pushed it forward to what it is today, at least in a multiplayer sense. So I'm going to play you guys that. now and this 
Hey!
Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Core of Score. Uh, what you just listened to was Freebird <laughs> by the Blasters off of StarCraft II, as well as Ending Trophy Room off of Unreal Tournament by Michael Vandenboss. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about StarCraft II because it's a 10-year-old game now, but it's still being played worldwide, well, mostly by... Uh, South Koreans, they kind of took that game and like ran all over it and they're like headlining and um, and there's still like hundreds of thousands of dollar prize pools for each tournament that is made for StarCraft 2. So it's still a huge game in its own right and is also one of the most difficult games to really get into or really just play competitively because... Uh, because it's an RTS, so you have to, or a real-time strategy game, and so you have to, pretty much, in StarCraft, you have to set up um, a bunch of different bases and uh, a bunch of different, uh, like, minions or, um, or like, units, and you have to use those units and bases to kind of, to destroy the uh, opponents. And the amount of, <laughs> the amount of, like, different operations that are going through each player's mind at a given time is crazy they're they're performing so many different actions like if you ever watch just like a small like a snippet of a video of starcraft players it's incredible it's it's not it's it's extraordinary there's nothing like it honestly and it's kind of its own in its genre or at least um in a tournament setting but that's that's enough of starcraft (laughs) because i don't know too much about it but i know it's just a crazy difficult game and i it's definitely not for me definitely not for me but um but up next we are gonna go into our scorecard and this week we have quake 3 arena as well as league of legends which i mean if you haven't heard of league of legends I don't know where you've been living right now. I don't know. But we're going to play a, the main theme from Counter-Strike Global Offensive by Valve Studio Orchestra. And I will be right back.
Welcome back to Core of Score. Um, we are about to start our scorecard segment, and we have Quake 3 Arena, and I'm going to play you Tribulation by Sonic Mayhem and Bill Lieb. Uh, Quake 3 is another arena shooter, uh, similar in vain to Unreal Tournament. And again, it's one of the like first of its genre in terms of a multiplayer shooter or at least like a fast paced multiplayer shooter um like kills in less than like a second uh again if you see any um any vods or like videos of people playing this game it's kind of crazy how like their like twitch instincts and their um they can pretty much just kill you <laughs> like instantly they like I, I don't know how to really describe this in words. It's really something you just have to behold. Um, not for normal human people to really understand unless they witness. But here's a song from that album.
That was Tribulation by Sonic Mayhem and Bill Lieb off of Quake 3 Arena. Now, what I think about this song in particular, and I'll go into the album in a second, but it's very fast-paced. It kind of fits exactly what you think of um, for the arena shooter genre way back when. Especially, like, this could perfectly fit in, like, a Doom uh, game or just... Like, especially back then, like, I could just hear it, I can just picture it. And, um, I mean, Quake is, I believe, made by the same developers of Doom. And the the same fast-paced, high-octane gameplay is well-supported by the metal music that is usually employed um, as the soundtrack for these games. And here, it's no... Like, it's, it's, there's no question. It's really good. Um, there's, yeah, like I said, it's industrial metal, which is something I usually don't find myself listening to. But, again, when you have to, to get through, uh, like, Quake or Unreal or Doom, you usually find yourself upon the metal genre. And this I found really interesting, especially with the really fast drums really dry drums as well and just all like the different sounds coalescing there's a lot of percussive elements to it um as well as the really heavy guitar riffs which were a really pleasant surprise <laughs> i mean pleasant for me i don't know if it's entirely pleasant for you but i i find all types of music inter- interesting in one way or another and that definitely like sparked a lot of um enjoyment out of me (laughs) but um there's yeah there's a lot going on in kind of each track but none of it really kind of blends in with the rest of the soundtrack like they all have their own unique identity and they all work as a whole to um to really support the game and support the gameplay none of them is really distracting from the rest of the rest of the game while playing it and it really supplements everything or at least it gives off the same sense that you want to be feeling when you're kind of mowing down people uh uh, like through so many different alleyways and heights and it it just gives off that essential feeling uh so next i'm gonna play audio adrenaline by sonic mayhem and billy off of quake 3 arena
that was Audio Adrenaline by Sonic Mayhem and Bill Lieb off of Quake 3 Arena. Now, <laughs> that song, you can really hear the souls of the damned in that one. But other than that, I think that the soundtrack is perfect for trying to get your kid to sleep or, you know, any any type of, like, relaxation that you might desire. But, <laughs> but on a more serious note, I think it's something that could be really nice for the gym it's really like pumped up um there's a lot of techno elements too um if you're into that as well as it's just really fast paced and like you really want to get that like that extra pump in or at least yeah so i think that would actually be a perfect um scenario for this music i know i live with a metalhead and i'll probably recommend him to these songs just to listen to casually uh, because again, yeah, they're really well written songs. They have, uh, if you're into like metal or industrial metal, then this is probably you can probably look towards most of the um, Quake games as well as Unreal and all the Doom games. They have a lot of interesting, um, like especially subgenres of metal. Um, next up, I'm gonna go to League of Legends, and League is a game I could never get into. It's something. Uh, it's a MOBA, which is a multiplayer online battle arena game, and the um, the goal of the game is to kind of capture the opponent's like base. It's kind of like in in the same sense of StarCraft, but you're 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 controlling specific heroes, um, you and your your team, and you're facing other like uh, another group of heroes. And so League is one that um, it's really it's got a pretty toxic community. I felt it first and foremost when I played it way back when, and I tried to play, but there's just so many different mechanics. There's just so much, um, so many things going on in the game that you can't really understand unless you play it for a long time. You can't just read up on guides and stuff like that. So, so when you play it, you're trying your best, but even if you're trying your best, you still get all the um, potential harassment from your team members. And that kind of puts you up. I mean, that kind of put me off um, for the most part. But if you stick with it, I hear it's very rewarding. Or at least you'll sink too much of your time into it. <laughs> so you won't have to worry about anything else. But here is Demacia Rising by Riot Music Group off of League of Legends.
That was Demacia Rising by Riot Music Group off of League of Legends. Now, this soundtrack is very uplifting, very kind of ceremonious. There's a lot of elements in there that make you think about like heroes or like legends or myths. And I think that's definitely what they're trying to go for because League of Legends is a hero-based um, competitive game that's centered on like the heroes or like the legends that you're um, that you're playing as. And so a lot of them have their own themes. A lot of them are these kind of hero, like the ones that you want to like worship, you want to look up to. And so it has a lot of triumphant bells and whistles if you will. But uh, yeah, the whole soundtrack is like orchestrated as well as there's a lot of vocal performances or a lot of chant as you even heard in the, pretty much like the last part of Demacia Rising, just like it was pretty much just chant. And so that's always interesting to, to hear because, um, I mean, it, especially in a, in a game like this, you wouldn't really expect um, some kind of grandiose orchestral soundtrack but but people at riot they don't they don't mess around <laughs> all right i'm gonna play you this is like a huge change of pace but it's one of the playable characters jinx uh this is her theme song get jinxed <laughs> by riot music group um off of league of legends That was Get Jinxed 
by Riot Music Group off of League of Legends. We're going to take a short, short break. I'm going to play you the, the Fortnite title screen by Rom DiPrisco and Pinar Toprak. Pinar Toprak is actually really interesting as she's the first female composer that I've come across in my curation. Um, and she's actually Turkish-American and worked in films like Justice League and Captain Marvel. And she also works in Remote Control, which is the music production company that Hans Zimmer owns and operates. So I'm going to play you a little bit of that, and we're going to be back with this week's tag Welcome back to Core of Score on WPPM 106.5. We are about to start this week's tag, and today we have quite the headlines. So I just wanted to make sure I had enough time for all these. There's a lot that has been going on in the past week or so. Uh, PUBG Mobile is a huge thing now, I guess, and it's getting its own competitive scene with a total prize pool of over $5 million. Uh, the PUBG Mobile Pro League is split between a spring and fall season where players can qualify for the PUBG Mobile World League in May and in October, respectively. These players would then go on to play in the December World Championships. So this is really interesting as, I mean, it's really accessible game. Uh, it's not too difficult to uh, to just pick up and play, and if you do somehow uh, get into these bigger tournaments, I mean, that's a lot of money to be earned. That's a lot of money to be to to go around, really. And so, I mean, all bets are off now. <laughs> After what Fortnite did to uh, a 16-year-old kid, I mean, three million dollars from one tournament—that's crazy. That is insane to think about. I mean, a lot of those go to taxes and stuff, but I mean, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. That, that is an accomplishment in and of itself. That's a lot of money going places. The FF7 remake requires more than 100 gigabytes of space. Now, it's it would be impossible to think a 
about 100 gigabytes of space like 10 years ago. Like that, I, I can't even, my, my phone doesn't even have 100 gigabytes of space. I have a 32 gigabyte um, like flash storage on that thing. And I have a 64 gigabyte micro SD card in there. That, that, that doesn't even total to 100 gigabytes. And like the fact that this one game, which is not even the entire, the entirety of Final Fantasy VII, this is just Midgar. This is gonna be 100 gigabytes. That's insane to me. Like the original game came in three disc, I believe, and you had to swap out the disc when you were um, when you're finished of like a huge chunk of it. But the fact that we're still going back to that uh, kind of aspect, where it's like, oh, it's different disc, it's different games, and I can only imagine what the total file size for every single. Um, or all the games is gonna be. That's gonna be insane, thing. Uh, Zuckerberg wants Facebook to be treated a little bit differently than other media outlets. He wants Facebook to kind of lay somewhere in between uh, telecoms and uh, media such as like journal uh, journalists, like papers, newspapers, and all of that. Um, and I find that really interesting because I never really thought about that. Where yes, to like telecoms or um, ISPs like Verizon or Comcast, like they have no filter in place for all the content that goes through their uh, their networks, and that's like that's a legal like restricting thing. That's a net neutrality type of deal where all you can't can't like buffer any information. All information has to go through regardless of the source, regardless of what it is, and information that lands on Facebook, Facebook doesn't necessarily have to be um, kind of liable for all of that because frankly, there's just too much like misinformation and um, moderate, moderating that would take up a lot of money. Again, they're like a platform um, for content. They don't post content themselves. And so it kind of, it kind of is in that middle range between like a media publication and a telecom but we'll see how or what kind of solution that Zuckerberg can kind of uh, arrange. Overwatch and Diablo are getting a animated series and nothing has been officially confirmed but the president of Activision Blizzard Nick Van Dyke has on his LinkedIn a a like a project that says that Diablo is getting like an animated series and that it's gonna it's in pre-production for release on Netflix and further there's also a a hint or a statement that Overwatch is also getting a animated series down the line so this would be really interesting um, Blizzard has been known to make like really beautiful shorts or animated shorts um, you can see all over their YouTube channel uh, all their stuff for like World of Warcraft is fantastic Hearthstone is fantastic so I really want to see what they can do with a fully fledged series of well-known characters of well-known stories and see if they can really flesh that out see if they can bring that to a wider audience uh, something that's just really enjoyable for the common person the Call of Duty movie is indefinitely delayed. This is a thing that I had no idea even existed. 
and probably a lot of other people. It was originally announced in 2015, and uh, Call of Duty movie director Stefano Solima stated that this wasn't Activision's um, priority, or not even close to its first priority. And so the movie has been indefinitely delayed. Um, this has also been the case for the Uncharted movie that is now starring Tom Holland, actually. And it's just interesting how like these video game movies that are like planned for like from so long ago keep getting into this like development hell where nobody really knows what to do with them or nobody knows how to go through with it. And so we'll see if we get a Call of Duty movie in our future. But hopefully it's good, not a waste of time. They even have the, the Joker writer, Scott Silver, uh, writing the whole thing. So it could be it could be a good, pretty solid, well-told story. <laughs> a Hungrybox, a Smash player, calls out Nintendo after winning Smash Sonic 9. So Hungrybox is a Smash player. God, his real name, but um, but he is probably the number one player of Melee at this point. He's won probably like like the five lasts or like ten lasts of majors uh, that occurred, and so he's at a point now where he believes he's like a spokesperson for Melee at least, and he's calling out Nintendo because Nintendo doesn't really offer much in terms of prize pool or sponsorships for their events, for Melee, for uh, Smash Ultimate, for anything. And one of the key things about, one of the key things about Melee is that it's a 20 year old game. The game came out in 2001 and it's still being played by so many people worldwide. There's still so much viewership on Twitch um, at Evo before it, before it got kicked out. It was one of the biggest games there. And so it's really interesting um, in terms of Nintendo not supporting the game, Nintendo not supporting uh, the, the whole scene, the whole esports scene. And they've been shown to support like um, Mario Kart tourneys, uh, Splatoon tourneys, even Smash Ultimate tourneys uh, from time to time. But there isn't this um, this drive by Nintendo to really support these grassroots communities that are pulling huge numbers for them. The PS5 allegedly costs $450 to make, and this is something that I've been like trying to like talking about with like friends and um, and others because this means that the console is probably going to cost at least $500 and. I don't believe consumers are ready to pay that, especially because um, back in the day when the PS3 came out, and it was originally um, it was originally going for the price of $500 or $600 for the 60 gigabyte model. No, the fan backlash was crazy, and they had to instantly um, put the price down. And so I don't know if they can continue doing this. Uh, Microsoft, with their Xbox Series X, is trying to go for more of a uh, you can play anywhere kind of 
um, environment where you can play on your PC, you can play on your Xbox, and um, and so they're not completely reliant on the hardware. But Sony is. Sony has no other online environment where they can push players to. They only have the PS5, the PS4, the PS3. They only have their hardware. And Microsoft and Sony have been selling at a loss, selling hardware at a loss for the past two generations, for the PS3 and PS4 and the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. So this is gonna be really interesting in terms of like who's gonna be on top of this generation? Um, Sony was decidedly on top this generation because of its exclusives, because of what it could push, um, and just the, the, the overall framework that um, Sony kind of offered. Other than that, we have some really sad news about Kazuhisi Hashimoto, the creator of the Konami code. He has passed away at age 61, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you know it, the, the famous Konami code, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA. That, that code has saved so many in Contra, <laughs> so many in Metal Gear. I know, I was playing Metal Gear uh, a while back, and like, when you input that Konami code, you get full like weapons, you get full status, you get like shields, armor, and it's amazing. But like, if you're playing through the game regularly, like, it's it's such a pain. So, God bless this man. Um, may he rest in peace. Programmer for Gradius, programmer for Konami, and a real legend in the community. And it just goes, it makes me think about all the different industry heads, all the kind of industry legends, the people who like made this industry what it is today. Like they're all going to go um, like one day or another and they're, they're all getting old now. So I guess we have to see to the future, see who we can, um, who we can look up to or what we can change about the industry now, now that the, the youngins are coming in. What we can like do to make uh, the industry a little bit more habitable or uh, just a more open environment for new developers, for, for people to earn the right pay, for people not to get uh, exhausted by crunch. Just, just a more um, healthy industry. And so I'm always hoping for that. I'm always hoping for that. So that will conclude our tag segment for today. I must thank you for listening, for being here with me today. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on. Not only in my life, but also just in in the world, in the world of esports, in the world of pretty much everything. Like there's, you just gotta sometimes stop and think about uh, what's going on. Try to. Uh, to to relax, try to not let it take over you. And so I'm going to play you one last song. This is from Street Fighter V, which is uh, the theme of Rashid by Hideyuki Fukasawa. This is one of my favorite songs off of Street Fighter, uh, especially the new one. When I, when I first heard it, I was like, oh my, this, is, <laughs> this makes me want to play Street Fighter. I mean, I'm a Smash player at heart. But this makes you want to play Street Fighter so bad. And um, and yeah, I mean, Street Fighter is another genre-defining like game. It created 
the fighting uh, games genre, basically. Like, it popularized it. Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Ultra, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. Oh, like, all of those are pillars in the genre and have always led in terms of the, in, in the fighting games community. So I'm going to play you that. Um, I hope you had a wonderful time with me. I can be found, Core of Score can be found on Anchor, on Spotify, on Google Play Music. So I hope you take a listen there. And um, yeah, take it easy. (laughs) 